Listen to me. I'm only going to say this once. We are going on the trip now. It's going to be rough. It's going to feel like it's going on for a long time, so it's going to be hard to stay alert. It's going to be even harder to be quiet, but you have to do both. You have to do every single thing I say, or we will not make it. Understand, under no circumstance are you allowed to take off your blindfold. It's cold. We have blankets. Boy, you have your dog. Girl, you have your kitty. This is just a place. There's nothing more that we need from it. And no talking on the river. You must listen as closely as you can. If you hear something in the woods, you tell me. If you hear something in the water, you tell me. But you never, ever take off your blindfold. If you look, you will die. Do you understand? scares us and what saves us. This is the fear of God. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another fun-filled episode of the fear of God, where we explore that scarcely populated in intersection between faith and fear, uh, the Christian faith and the horror genre. We are exploring, uh, not explaining, but exploring that intersection. Uh, I am one of your hosts, frequently known as Boy, or sometimes Small Boy. My other frequent co-host, who uh, you you know know lovingly as Big Burly Hairy Man, um, he is not with me at the moment, although he could be here with me and he might just be asleep because we're blindfolded and we can't see anything. Um, I hope that I'm recording. I, I press the button that says I'm recording. I mean, I guess we'll find out if we have a big announcement that says, sorry, we didn't, we couldn't do bird box because we weren't recording because we couldn't see anything. Uh, then that makes, oh, 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 wow. You just, man, big burly hairy man. If you're going to let me know you're there, don't, don't, don't grab me like that. Are you are you gonna are you are you gonna do a review ask? <laughs> oh, so, sorry, everybody. My big hairy burly man is reminding me that we want you to go to iTunes. We want you to check out the show. We want you to review it. We want you to leave us a five star rating. Uh, there, you happy? We do want them to do that. But you you satisfied now, boy? Let's, is that you, boy? Boy? Wow! Don't look, okay? If you look, you will die. That's not my hand. Oh my goodness! <laughs> if you <laughs> this, yeah, like this movie, this could go sideways very this, easily. <laughs> yeah, this there, there's no there's no uh, denying that. That's no. That's, I did I did you know for a show that um, is kind of on things general of the Christian faith variety. I do think this movie's loose tagline of "If you look, you will die" 
is like so just like 90s male purity culture (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh you don't know how if you look you will die or maybe you do know how many like we i saw so many like advertisements Uh for sermon series on like walking by faith and not by sight and using imagery from bird box it was crazy it was really crazy. This was like say that again. What? I, so when Bird Box came out, like at the end of December, like I suddenly saw like tons of churches were doing a little series or a sermon message on like walking by faith and not by sight, and they were using like imagery from Bird Box as their. I can't remember any like off the top of my head, but they were trying to use like clever sort of you know uh, call outs to it and saying like, oh yeah, Bird Box faith or something like that. I mean, it was. It was nuts. I saw. Hey, yeah. I saw at least four that's, or five. That's of them. stupid. <laughs> well, yeah, that's I mean, stupid. That is dumb. I mean, I saw at least four or five different places too. Like it's. I'm actually crazy. less, despite its tepid reception. I'm actually less out on this movie than I was on Velvet Buzzsaw. <laughs> but I'm I'm very out on <laughs> churches calling for bird box faith. That's stupid. This is there, this there it is, is me. I'm here, y'all. It's time. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm back. Uh, uh, I've got my blindfold on. I'm going to take it off because I think Bird Box Faith is dumb. Oh, my gosh. Uh, We're just getting... Sorry. Let's get, get me off of this soapbox quickly. <laughs> Give you off that Bird Box. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but before we get too deep into that, before we get too deep into that, uh, I, gotta, I just got to ask you, in the spirit of the film that we're covering today... <laughs> I gotta, I gotta ask you one more time. Oh my God. Wow! Wow! Every single wow. time, ladies and gentlemen, that birds show up in our podcast, there is going to be some call out to the clucking of what you watch and read and listen to. So you're wow. wel- you're welcome. Yeah, everybody. I mean, bird box, it, it kind of works. It's like yeah, it's sure. chicken box. It's, it's kind of chicken box. <laughs> You know, chicken box. <laughs> oh my gosh! I also saw. Okay, all the memes on this movie. So I also okay. saw, and these I loved. Uh, I also saw a multitude of people posting their newly ordered Chick Fil A, calling it the only bird box I care about. And uh, I thought that was that was delightful because it was just pictures of Chick Fil A. So that just, I mean, that's that's food I enjoy, and that that just made my day. This this movie doesn't require a whole lot, does it? <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it doesn't ask much of anyone. It's just, it's just sort of there. It's like it's like a it's like a. I mean, a two year old could have named this movie. Like um, a two year old did name this movie. Bird, bird, box, bird box, bird box, like velvet buzzsaw. That's kind of like uh, crunchy, kind of like, but soft. You know, it's like soft, yeah. but will cut you. Um, bird sure. box is just like, eh. <laughs> thanks two year. Thank you all, you two year olds, <laughs> for naming bird or box. that one, that one. Yeah, um, one of them. But hey, we're supposed to be in what you're watching, reading, listening to. Um, that's right. That's right. I will go first. So read. Mm-hmm. I jokingly said on was Apostle Dorothy Day. Did I mention Dorothy Day? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I made a joke. It was a joke, everybody. I like to read books. That Dorothy Day was my only book for the year. I have started <laughs> and finished another book since then. So what do you know? Wonders never I, cease. Will wonders never cease? At some point in time, they might, but not today. Um, I did just read on a serious note. Um, the book is called The Sun Does Shine, S-U-N. Mm-hmm. Um, I have heard of this book. In, in the Brian Stevenson shared universe, featured in Brian Stevenson's book, Just Mercy, 
he references heavily an inmate named Anthony Ray Hinton. Mm. Um, the Sun Does Shine is written by Anthony Ray Hinton and co-written by Laura Love Harden. Well, Anthony Ray Hinton is an inmate who was on Alabama's death row for 30 years. 30 years oh, for, a, for a crime that he did not commit that oh, was man. very that was very clear from the evidence of his initial trial in 1986 that he didn't commit but the uh we made an, uh, some references to this last week the systemic racism of the um deep south and post jim crow uh uh era and the the I don't know if you know anything about this. I wouldn't have except for this book, but there's a thing called judicial override. So Mm. um, a jury can rule for life for a a person, you know, like, hey, you're accused of this crime. We're going to give you life. A judge can execute what he calls judicial override and say, sorry, jury, we're giving this guy the death penalty. Well, because judges are elected, there's a whole sort of school of thought on this being should should not be the case but because a judge is an elected position in order to be perceived as tough on crime judges will often exercise judicial override thus hey this person you know this judge has a history of being tough on crime because he sentenced all these people to death row well the the short of it is this is an amazing book that will if if you don't know anything about this world about you know the the American prison system specifically about uh, if you have entrenched feelings on the death penalty i would encourage and challenge people to definitely read just mercy but also to read this one mm-hmm. um hopefully it's eye-opening the end of the sun does shine they spend they have there's 10 pages read of names by state of everyone on death row and it's oh, preempted wow. it's it's preceded by them stating one statistically speaking one in 10 people on death row is wrongfully on death row oh, they're innocent gosh. of the charges and you know, so Stevenson actively works to um, get people off death row, um, to educate about the death penalty, and to yeah. seek its to seek its being overturned in this country. So it's a very powerful book. Um, I cried multiple times, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's there. So I'll I'll tell this anecdote, and then we can move on. But a recurring theme is. Uh, so a death row is just basically a hall. You know, it's this hall of several dozen inmates in a given sort of jail facility. Um, well, they talk about the proximity read, and this is in the 80s before uh, lethal injection. So this is still electric chair era. Oh, they wow. talk about the proximity of people's cells to the electric chair. It's like, oh, it's just like, you know, 30 feet down there. And the smells of your peers who oh, you've become to. Gosh. Right. Well, Anthony Hinton, or well, Ray, as he refers to himself, becomes like the, I, I actually mean this, this is going to sound like a joke. I actually mean it quite intentionally. He becomes kind of the Paddington of this environment. Oh, like the person, yeah. the person who chooses to be compassionate and, and, and learn how to live well in this situation and mm. turn people from hate and anger to love and compassion. Wow. Well, when it's time for someone to be executed, he has become such a compassionate individual and recognizes these people are alone and, and whatever the thing they've done at a certain point in time, they don't deserve to be murdered by the state. This thing happens in on a death row where they will bang on the bars. Like mm. 
it's it's if if you're being taken to the electric chair because it's your day this is your peers on death row banging on the bars in solidarity to you to let you know you are not alone and so this happens we'll read the way this uh final the way this book ends right before this uh list of death row inmates names and he actually writes pray for these people look at their names the name of the chapter is pray for them by name um Mm. one of the last sentences of the book is you are either on the death squad or you are banging on the bars Mm. now choose Mm. (laughs) wow yeah yeah i think that book oh what were you gonna say i was just gonna say i think that book would probably rip my heart out i've been not to derail us into a whole big subject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been actively among my peers and family members and friends who who feel differently than me, been actively uh, an opponent of the death penalty since I was probably 14 or 15 years old. And, uh, yeah, it just it, it has never made sense to me in light of some of the injustices. Um, I think they're, the position that I have heard uh, sort of come back to me is uh, in in the sense that justice is done, there is some acceptable sort of collateral loss uh, for people who might have been unjustly convicted. That's, that has actively sort of been the position. I'm being very reductive, but that's been the position sort of presented to me, to which I always say, like, n- n- there is no... Nope. No, there is no nope. justice if anybody nope. was executed uh, for something that they never did. Like that, that's not in in my construct, in my way I view the world, and the way I view my faith. Uh, that is not acceptable. There is no acceptable collateral loss of somebody uh, being executed for something that they did not do. Because I feel like there's only to us as as Christian believers, I feel like the only time that happened was when Christ willfully went to the cross. That's the only time that that was remotely acceptable, but that he, he chose. And so because of that, uh, when I was like 14 or 15, I began to develop this like like passionate opposition to, to so sure. many of my uh, of my friends and peers and 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 loved ones who would who would be for it. Uh, some of whom I have I, I can say I've managed to, to sort of convince of my thoughts and and even have them agree with me and and some not but yeah I think I think that book would probably do a number on me so yeah well I can't remember and I know you've told me and I apologize for forgetting did you end up reading Just Mercy Oh yeah 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 I, okay. I yeah well, I read it uh, not that long ago I, I read it initially I started it initially uh, several years ago uh, whenever it first came out like maybe three four years ago and then uh, fully made it through it probably two years ago. Yeah, um, it is just more, uh, uh, the sun does shine is a bit more anecdotal of, you know, kind of granular what Just Mercy does on a more systemic level. So yeah. kind of kind of as a as a pair of books, they will challenge you deeply to bang sure. on the bars, you know. Well, um, in, in direct opposition to that spirit, what I've been watching... <laughs> But it's I'm, Oz. I've been watching Oz. <laughs> no, 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 no. What I've been watching <laughs> is a couple of films about someone who was done wrong and then goes on a murderous rampage to oh, uh, to, right. to avenge yeah. avenge the wrong. So I I caught up with two films that were on our listeners list of favorite horror films of mm. uh, 2018, mm. and uh, I watched them uh, on the same day. I watched them kind of as a double feature. Um, I finally saw Revenge, which was number 10 on the listener-voted favorite horror films of 18, uh, 
And then I also watched uh, Mandy, uh, starring Nicolas Cage. Uh, Was this is this all about you can't let Nathan have watched more 2018 top tens than you? Is this that's that's all this is for, right? You just you just can't let me have it, can you? <laughs> right. That's 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 correct. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to like call me so blatantly on it, but yes, that is. You are you are accurate you, in your assessment. You came away from that mission. recording. You were like, "No, this is not going to happen." I'm Doctor Riedenstein. He will not become this monster. <laughs> oh I will God. control this monster. He will not roam <laughs> the countryside freely. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get so I'm gonna get so passionate about this. I'm gonna watch all the nominees too. Uh, <laughs> um, so no, no, no. Those were just those were two that had been. Uh, so I mean, in, in there's a little bit of truth to that in that the. List List and it and those films making the list p- pushed me to see them. They had been on my radar uh, for a while, but those you know their inclusion on those lists was like okay, fine. I'm just I, I mentioned last week how I sometimes will just pull open the Shutter app and be like, okay, what am I going to watch? And um, I had not made it to Revenge or Mandy, both of which are Shutter exclusives. And so uh, I finally saw both of those films. I would for for myself. They are difficult films to recommend, but I loved them both. And so, yeah. I, and, and so it's one of those things where it's like the, the, the first one, Revenge, is a difficult film to, to recommend because of the premise of it. A, a woman is, is assaulted to a degree that she is left for dead, and then, as the film implies, uh, sh- she is not dead and instead begins to exact uh, a, a sort of vengeance for the people hey, can who I ask one, Can I ask one mild spoiler question? Because I don't want to know a ton. Cause I am yeah, curious. yeah, sure, sure. Um, is her assault pretty grisly detailed? Because um, that, that would be a bit of a turnoff. I'm going to answer. I'm going to answer no. It's uncomfortable. Okay. I will say that sure, I will sure, say sure. this, that the buildup to when you know it is about to happen is right. way more upsetting than the actual when it happens. Um, again, uh, it's important to keep in mind this was directed by a female director. Yeah. And yeah, so, yeah. as a result, you can imagine that although, yes, um, it is... You mean it's actually sensitive and tastefully shot? Uh, what yes. You, is that what yes. you're trying to say? <laughs> so it gets its it gets its point across without uh, being or feeling exploitative. Um, sure, sure. So, so, yeah, that that definitely is uh, is a tone to it. But uh, but I will say like it's it's very energetic, it's propulsive in its pace. Um, it's got some interesting things on its mind. I would push for us to consider it for coverage at some point uh, in the not yeah. too distant future. Um, it's got some interesting things on its mind. It is smart and it is bold and uh, and I, I greatly enjoyed it. But again, the premise enough is enough to make people kind of leery of that. But I will again say that given that premise, again it is directed by a woman. Um, you can imagine that there is some sensitivity given there that maybe not just a male eye, but you know a different perspective might not have handled so tactfully and tastefully. So the other film that I watched was uh, Mandy, which has been uh, made much ado because it was like this big major thing that Nicolas Cage was in. It, uh, so Mandy is a is a film uh, starring Nick Cage, uh, directed by if I'm saying his name correctly, uh, Panos. Cosmatos. I may be completely butchering the pronunciation of his name. If so, please show me some grace and forgive me. But uh, he, his only other film that I've seen and is is pretty bizarre but very compelling is Beyond the Black Rainbow. Um, but Mandy is this. I mean, it is so 
Oh. Can a rainbow? Can there be a black? Isn't the nature of a rainbow to be multicolored? Some, or somehow, a, or just an arch? Like no. what defines rainbow? So you'd have to see the film. Somehow he does it. It's amazing, <laughs> but somehow he does it. So, but 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 Mandy is like Mandy is crazy because it is it somehow combines like these these 70s Italian giallo films like Suspiria and uh, Phenomena and stuff like that. Like, it somehow combines the sensibilities of those with, like, 80s techno slasher fare and then runs them all through this weird, like, 90s grunge sound machine. And all of it at the center is, like, Nick Cage. This movie is so colorful and psychedelic and it is uh disturbing in some of its imagery and it is it, it, it i mean this is such a strange mind trip of a film and it's one of those things where i will say this about nick cage and why i think this film is getting so much attention and why him in this film is getting so much attention nick cage has a very specific stylistic sensibility as an actor as a performer right but when you just turn him loose he is either going to completely be out of place with the nature of the film, or if you put him in a film like this, he somehow feels like the only suitable choice to play this kind of role in this kind of movie. And that's kind of what you get with Mandy, is it's just like, man, I don't, I don't envision anybody other than Nicolas Cage in this role. Um, just the sensibility surrounding him is is so outlandish. There is a sword fight with running chainsaws, Nathan. It is crazy. It is so crazy. And there's like this. Why, Go ahead. why, why didn't we cover it? I want to. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I want to. Right, so, is there are there any movies left on the list that you haven't seen? Well, those are the, the only Meg. two. Those are the only two I got to. So, yeah, I haven't seen the Meg. I haven't seen Overlord. I haven't seen the Endless. So, you still win. You. D- <laughs> it's gonna be a race to the finish. <laughs> you're gonna be like your your wife is gonna come down and be like, "Why did you rent the Meg?" You'd be like, "I can't. I can't. I can't. He can't. He no, can't." Win. I don't. He you said win. you thought it looked stupid, Nathan. I do think it looks stupid. It probably is stupid, but I'm not going to let Reed win because I'm Frank and Nathan. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is just too ridiculous. Why don't, you, why, don't you, why don't you take us out there first place? <laughs> you jerk. I'm, I live for that phrase. Take us out first place. Um, <laughs> what you watching? Mandy in Revenge. What you reading? <laughs> the sun, the sun does shine. What are you listening to? A little over the Rhine. All right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you didn't include them in your list. Always got to be know. I just figured I had to answer. Oh my gosh. No, I just figured I, I wanted to answer. <laughs> I, I wanted to answer all my questions. <laughs> so here we are. Mm. Read. So yes, that has been another fun installment of what you're watching, reading, listening to. We are now going to pivot rather quickly into volume four. Uh, or installment for uh, whatever fourth iteration wording we want to use of 2019's top of the year TV guidepost series featuring none other than Mike Flanagan's The Haunting of Hill House, a dun, fantastic dun, dun. series. Um, you cut me off rather sharply last week, so I'm going to try to find a way to do it to you this week. <laughs> 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 uh- <laughs> Yes. Um, but this Come week, on. this week, uh, but you're probably thinking, Nathan, you cut me off all the time, and I guess you're right. So I, one, I, I do think that. I do think that. 
Um, so we are discussing today uh, the likes, dislikes, and scares of episode four called A Twin Thing or The Twin Thing. Is it A Twin Thing? Or I the think twin it's, thing? it's The Twin Thing, yeah. They should have named this one like Mary-Kate and Ashley. You know, that would have been funny. Real deep inside joke there. You know, I said uh, that although so Although it's really a very surface now, joke. Now, uh, it is a very surface joke. But no, now I'm, uh, I'm remiss to, like I said that I so confidently. No, it's the twin thing. It's the. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's the. The. It's not a. Uh. It's not a. Uh, it's the. Okay. You win again, Reed. We are you the win again. fear of God. We are not a fear of God. It is the twin thing. Depends on the day. So um, <laughs> this is this is a Luke-centric episode. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I think I'm pretty confident, more or less, in both youth and adult, Luke is probably my favorite of the siblings. Um, mm. I think this is a very strong episode. I remember you will you will recall this is the this is the moment of our episode of the Fear of God where you're going to be tempted to cut me off again okay. because of where I'm where I'm going right now. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, you may recall when we were first watching Hill House back in October, I texted you about the show Lost and how much Hill House reminds me of Lost. It was in response to this episode um, oh, because. Okay. Because this one more, this one cemented this flurry of episodes of the flavor, the tone, the narrative uh, labyrinth that Flanagan was establishing mm. in a real concrete way for me that set, had such echoes of what Lost did super well. Mm. And just, just made me sad that it's really hard to find this type of storytelling mm. because either you're at the mercy of an open-ended network schedule like Lost was, thus you just start throwing balls up in the air and spinning plates and hoping for the best, or you have a very defined endpoint like a Hill House, and there's going to be a real sense of finitude, 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 a real sense of term, term- <laughs> Verisimilitude, infinitude, <laughs> attitude. <laughs> Listeners can't see you when I said that. You just had this real kind of conciliatory head nod like, huh? Yep, maybe. Whatever. Yeah, whatever, whatever you, you want to say, Nathan. Mm, I'm shrimpy. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, we've both been listening heavily to the Apostle episode today. Um, <laughs> all right. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, yes. Finitude, finitude, certainty, endpoint, terminus. Um, <laughs> so, or like Flanagan, you have a very set course. So yeah, yeah. that said, I love this episode. I love Luke. I think, uh, that child, I now follow him through fear of God on Instagram. Uh, he's got his own Instagram. That's Are you serious? Of, yeah. 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 The um, kid has an Instagram. Yeah. And you followed Children? him? Well, we did. We, fo- <laughs> I we did. followed. We I, followed I, the I, little kid. I did. I did on our behalf. And Elizabeth Reeser, who is Shirley, and the actor who plays Stephen, whose name I can't recall right now, and the actor who plays Luke, whose name I can't recall now. Reach reach out to them. Tell them we love their stuff. Well, that's not totally how. Clearly, <laughs> clearly, Reed is not the Instagram personality of the fear of God. No, I'm he not. I'm quite not. know how it works. Um, <laughs> like that's not gonna, how the internet works. I'm just gonna type. <laughs> I'm going to type on one of their pictures. Hey, this is Reed. Um, <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. That's funny. So, Be anyway. my friend, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come guest on our show. Um, I'll tell you who you don't follow. That's old Annabeth Gish, and, and that's for <laughs> sure. Wow. <laughs> You're I'm right. Saying. I'm just you saying. You win, Reed. You got him back, okay? Just Lord. 
Um, <laughs> so that is a very deep cut for listeners. I know it is. I know it is. I'm, I'm so trying. Chip- hey, hey. I don't want to be rude here, but I'm trying to keep us on the show. <laughs> okay, fine. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> that was perfect. You totally set me up for that. You didn't even mean to. So, <laughs> episode four of Hill House Read. It features Luke. What do you think of Luke? You ding dong. <laughs> oh my gosh um i like it's him us- it's like usually him. me that's got to be rung it rained in that's, you're that's just like true. i'm just all wow. over the place no i uh i like i like luke no sincerely like okay so my uh my my non facetious thoughts um we've i've already said i can't remember what episode but um i already said that i think that the child actor playing luke is one of just the cutest children to ever be in anything um, he's, as you mentioned, he's so natural. He's really believable in that role. He's very endearing because of how kind of a, just adorable he is. Um, you kind of, you, you, th- we mentioned last week how that scene where he's in the dumb waiter is very harrowing. And I think a lot of that is just because of how endearing yeah. he is as a, you know, as a child actor. Um, but this particular episode is a real moment for the adult actor playing Luke yes. to, to shine. Um, and I think he does an outstanding job. Uh, this is one of, although there are episodes that hit me harder, uh, sort of more, impress me more, um, we'll, we'll get to them. Um, this is one of the most emotionally resonant episodes of the show for me. As, other than maybe the finale, this singular episode um, sort of tugs at the heartstrings for me more than any of the other uh, episodes. Although the episode we're covering next uh, is, a, is a good contender to to take that throne. Um, All that to just say, I had mentioned last week about how the plot line for uh, Theo, like sort of rescuing an abused foster child was a little cliched. Well, I mean, I think in terms of the sort of the beats, the narrative beats, um, this is also a very cliched story, but the difference is, and maybe it's in the writing, maybe it's in the, the construction of the episode, maybe it's in the actor's performance, Despite its kind of familiar narrative tropes, this really gets me. This episode really, um, yeah. it, it it pulls at my heart in a way that other times I've seen that plot line haven't quite landed. Um, well, and I, yeah. I wonder, I do want to throw out real quick. So the adult actor is Oliver Jackson Cohen. The young actor is Julian Hilliard. So <clears throat> give them some props there. But um uh, and when they listen to this episode, as they will. Um, <laughs> I want them they to They tried, and then they tuned um, out. Right, right, right. They didn't even know our names. Um, well. <laughs> um, I do think something worth noting about your juxtaposing the, the sort of, uh, you use the word cliche, look at Theo's story with the young girl, and um, I, I imagine what you're referring to in the Luke story is his pursuit of... Uh, let me see if I wrote down the character's name. Joey. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're referring, I presume, to that story. I yeah. think to me the value, though, is in Theo's story, it is kind of cliche in the sense of it's a very episodic type of structure. Sure. Um, yeah. But I don't know that we learn a ton about Theo in that story. Mm. We get okay. a we get yeah. a we get a glimpse into her emotional state by the end when she references she was just didn't want to be alone, you know. So, like you said last week, right? That's a right. reference to now. Well, I feel like with this Luke episode, what might be a cliche form reveals a lot about Luke. He is 
actively working to, you know, goodness gracious, this this phrase that comes up in his AA or in his rehab, the fearless moral inventory. I wrote that down. There's probably a wealth of places we could go with that. Like this is a character in pursuit of a better version of himself working against everyone's expectations of him. And that's a powerful story. And on a pure technical level, I love with the, the jumping around of timelines. Once you learn why he has the camera and iPad, I love it. I love because initially when you see that in Steven's episode, you think, oh man, he's just you know Troubled hard brother. up for drug cash. Um, yeah. But once you kind of learn what what's really going on there, it just really adds a lot of depth to his character. So yeah, totally um, agree, totally agree. One of the things that I think is uh, really stands out to me a couple of a couple of emotional moments. I really really love the he has a flashback when he's standing at Stephen's old house's door and he's remembering two months earlier when he and Joey who is with him in rehab they both got day passes because they were 30 days clean and they went home uh to be with uh or you know they went to visit uh Stephen and his wife um and then while there Stephen kind of belittles not only just their progress but the repetitive Treatment and relapse, treatment and relapse, treatment and that's relapse. A, that's a tough scene. It's it's tough, but man, what she says in it, um, and we we don't in these little excursions, we don't dive into theme, but what she says in it, it, it you know, he uses the now overused quote, the definition of insanity, uh, you right, know, right, doing the same thing and expecting different results. But I love how uh, you know the script and Joey's character flip that and says, no, insanity is out there. Insanity is, you know, out on the streets, out in this addiction. And I don't, I'm not quoting her verbatim, obviously, but she says, you know, like with the right support, um, then recovery is, you know, treatment despite the relapse, like despite that cycle. That's that's how you recover. And I, I, I found that to be quite powerful. That resonates a lot with me. And then also, uh, it's hard not to uh, feel moved by uh, Luke's speech of his 90 days you know oh, starting yeah. starting with when he says you know like it, it took me 10 years to get 90 days clean like think about that the man has not been right, sober right. for for a three month span of time in 10 years and um that and so it really does uh tell you a lot about what he's endured and what he's had to go through um to get here and uh and yeah it's it, it's a very very powerful very very powerful episode I love the um, the connecting for a show that jumps all over multiple timelines amidst more than half a dozen characters. I love the connecting point of the siblings gasping in the middle of the night yes. at Mel's death. That's a oh. really great, even from a pure just technical. Mm-hmm. You know, is it hang a lantern? Is that the kind of phrase I'm looking for? You know, it's like we are we're indicating a thing here. Yeah, just. So on a pure technical note, you can psychologically plug in and know what's happening, yeah, even exactly. though it's a very disparate storyline. Um, so I love that. Uh, a line that probably could merit a lot of conversation is, but is I just wrote down the heartbreaking line from Elliot, who I use as shorthand <laughs> for the dad, when he's when he's letting young Luke have the hat, and he says, mm. "Big 
big boys know the difference between what's real and what's oh. imaginary. Oh, oh God. Gosh. So heartbreaking if, you've, if you're watching this series. And we've said it multiple times. We'll say it again. Please watch this series. Yeah, go I watch envi- it. I envision yeah. an extremely long, robust conversation at the end of our run here with our final featured version of episode. But um, go watch this show. It's very strong. Very, yes, very strong. Indeed. Yes, indeed. What are your scares? So that the, they really all revolve around uh, the the floating man with the top oh hat. Oh my uh, gosh, Reed! The, the shot when he's a little boy, that whole ooh, scene, ooh. that is that is just too much. It is uh, like again when whenever boy Luke is in peril, um, it's just it's you're so immediately invested. You don't want anything bad or harmful to happen to him. And yeah, that that specter like floating because you know for those who are not listening to us and haven't seen it, you know the the feet of this ghost figure is like hovering probably you know half a foot off the ground, but the but the cane that this ghost is carrying mm, connects yeah. to the ground, and it is oh it is eerie, and it's just floating around the bed while Luke is trying to hide from it, and it's oh it's nerve wracking. Well, and and something Flanagan is just so good at is just and and. I don't even totally know how to identify it because I don't speak the, the the filmic language as well. But just sustained, uh, sustained cuts, you know, sustained takes. He holds yeah, on a thing, yeah. kind of letting your discomfort lodge deep instead of quick cuts. But that sequence when um, little Luke is under the bed and the tall man starts to drift away. Mm. And oh, and he exhales. That's it. Gosh, that's yeah, awful. Yeah, because he's been oh. trying to hold his breath, and he oh. releases this big exhalation, and it, that scene culminates. Just the visual, like the the directing skill is so strong to get these kids to do what they're doing. But there's this visual of um, looking sideways under the bed at Luke and him looking at the camera, basically. And it's like if he could, he would absorb himself into that back wall. Like his body yeah. is just, you know, kind of coiling up in response as he shrieks when the tall man looks under the bed. So that's that's great. But then you alluded to this adult Luke being basically chased by this slow moving. The worst, man, the worst is I don't remember what the cut is, but there's a cut that suddenly jumps to him in full foreground and it's right behind him mm, uh mm, but mm-hmm. but what's so scary about present day luke being haunted is you never see the front oh, of that tall gosh. man it's just yes. it's literally just hovering hovering there oh. and it's oh gosh it's but rough. then as he takes steps forward if this right. is the moment you're talking about then it pursues him but while he as most people would give this appearance while he is walking so his shoulders and head are kind of bobbing this thing is just floating it is just gliding yeah. towards him and it is oh man it's yeah it's nerve-wracking it's really nerve-wracking um but then that culminates in probably the first i would call it probably the first authentic cliffhanger well maybe not i don't know that's that's a that's a broad reach but um where as soon as uh, it, the episode culminates in Stephen telling Luke, okay, Nell's dead, uh, it was a suicide, and then Luke grabbing his neck, which has been hurting this whole time. I love also, by the way, well, he says, you know, no, it wasn't a suicide. I love how they, in overt and subtle ways, keep calling out to the twin thing. I mean, that's the name of the yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. And I can, I can speak from tangential experience, so my mother is a twin, and her twin sister had twin 
boys. So the the this twin thing that uh, if you don't have twins in your family, you may not have a window to. There is some bizarre and eerie stories that they have told about connections across the miles. My mom and her sister have, uh, without coordination, shown up to pick each other from the airport uh, to pick the other from uh, up from the airport and been wearing the same outfit. They have, without again, without consultation, purchased the exact same card for family members and stuff like. And then that other, what would seem like a supernatural element of a story like the haunting of Hill House. Those whole like he tells the story about how he broke his ankle and Nell miles away, you know, like her ankle was driving her crazy. You know, my th- maybe not to that extent or to that degree, but without having any physical heads up. They will know. My mom and her sister will know when something is going on with the other one. It, it to an eerie degree. It's it's pretty wild. Uh, but I'm I'm a believer that that's an authentic phenomenon. Would you Would you refer to that phenomenon as a twin thing or like the twin thing? I think in the context of this conversation, I'm gonna call it the twin thing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. I will I will let that lie there and we will return to the haunting of Hill House with episode five next week. Um Reed, oh, shall we five. shall we venture forth? What, who is five? Is that That's the bent neck lady. Oh, is it Nell's? Yeah. Is that Nell's it's Nell's, oh, it's Nell's story? Yeah, yeah, I know, right? That's why I did that. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. Oh Goodness man. Um, yeah, there it is. So shall we shall we Shall we shake the box? Shall we cut a cut a hole? Hey, I don't know if you've heard this, but the first thing you do is you cut a hole in the box. Okay. And <laughs> and then you stick your bird in the box. <laughs> it's my bird in the box. You wow. I well, I actively am trying to decide whether or not to leave this into the show. Oh, you will leave that in. <laughs> yes, yes, that's good stuff. Uh, <laughs> that's oh gonna get gosh. that's gonna get some good play. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh! So yes, we are talking about today <laughs> the Sandra Bullock starring Bird Box. Um, <laughs> you, did you have to burp when you say it? <laughs> a burp box? <laughs> Bark box. (laughs) Some people out there probably refer to it as the turd box, but you know, proper name. I I actually am not in that camp, but um, yeah, there's so there's so many. This movie just cries out for or squawks out. I don't know. Um, I I, I say uh, I say this. uh, We're talking today about the, the. I say, I say, uh, you don't, don't take your blindfold off. I say, I say. Oh my lord! Whatever you do, I say, uh, do not look. Uh, I say you will die. Uh, hopefully, oh hopefully, Looney Tunes fans in the in the audience catch that reference. If not, then oh man, uh, too, right. ba- too bad. Too um, bad. Um, at least, they'll, at least they'll have the bird in a box joke to, to, to lean on. <laughs> why don't you do? Why don't you do the rest of this conversation with? With I say I say I say I say and then I'll do my part of the conversation with I did I did I did see the booty box wow I did wow yeah <laughs> goodness gracious okay so Sandra Bullock is in this movie 
Um, <laughs> Sarah Sarah Paulson is in this movie. John Malkovich. For like a minute. Turns out we are doing a low-key Malkovich run of episodes, right? You know, Who knew? Um, I didn't know he was in Velvet Buzzsaw. I didn't know. Well, you do now. I do, um, yeah. He's he's off he's he survived the bird boxes. He's just off in the beach on the beach just drawing he's, pictures. But what's what's funny is uh attitude wise, playing a very similar character. Like like yeah. grumpy old man, you know, like just mad at the world. I know I've referenced this on this show before. Have you still are you did you ever go and watch Malkovich and you know, the bathtub Malkovich bathtub web series? Oh no no no! I know you yeah. referenced it on the show, but yeah. I no. That's one more think, thing you've seen I don't, that I haven't got to. <laughs> Fine. That really wasn't the intent of that, but all right. <laughs> um, so how do we? You know, how do we do this? How do we? You know, I got brittle bones. How do we start talking about this? Okay, so all right, so let's first of all talk about the sort of the. Uh, uh, let's use this uh, as a lead-in. So. Bird Box has uh, made a huge splash on, you know, Netflix's Netflix. If they are to be believed, it was downloaded like forty-five million times. Down, I shouldn't say downloaded, viewed, streamed, uh, streamed, streamed. Um, forty-five million times. I think in the first month of its release. Um, I don't know if it was month or if it was a tighter time frame than that, like a couple of weeks. But at least within the first month, it was because it's only been out for like a little over a month. Uh, 45 million times, and I think they have now updated that recently to say that it was uh, viewed by uh, 80 million distinct households. Now, what I, what I find interesting about that, they did define what a view counts as because a lot of people raised questions about yeah. like, well, is that, you know, what? They turn it on for five minutes, realize they don't like it, and turn it off. But uh, for a view to count, 70% of the runtime of the film has to be viewed. And this film is over two hours. So right. that means by their measurement, it's at least an hour and like 35, 40 minutes had to have been viewed for them to count a, a, a viewership. So this made a lot of huge waves uh, in that regard, which is part of why, to be honest with you, like it, it's not that the material is very galvanizing or exciting to me. I was one of those however many million who watched it within like a week or two of its, of its release. I think I watched it like the first week um, that it came out. But I was not terribly, like, excited about the material, but in this conversation about, you know, Netflix and a horror series, it, like, it felt almost too glaring to exclude it in, right. in this conversation. So just kind of getting that, that out of the way about the substance for why we, we felt it was imperative to cover it, I think that... So when the film came out, uh, it came out the same year as A Quiet Place. So you heard a lot of people say, like, oh, it's like A Quiet Place. Also, people who have seen it, uh, people who have seen this other film, said, like, oh, it, it's very reminiscent of The Happening. Um, I think it's worth noting that the book upon which this is based was uh, written before either The Happening or A Quiet Place, of course, were released. The book was not published before The Happening was released, but he did. the author did prove, because of the similarities, like, no, I, I wrote this book before The Happening was released, because there are some similarities, particularly with, like, when this, this thing, these, these creatures... Uh, approach you or when you see them or when you see whatever it is they're showing you you are compelled to end your life uh, which is very that i mean that is the plot of the happening so uh well well yeah, yeah except i mean the happening is not creatures right the happening is like the the air trees are doing it uh whereas this is very specifically like you can survive in the the open air as long as you are not opening your eyes 
So I have not read this book, so that I think is by our count like four books that I have not read. Um, but I have I, I that was a joke, and you didn't. Like I know, it, but I know. Yeah, whatever. This is not well. I mean, you know, joke is a relative word. Wow! Wow! <laughs> <laughs> so skipping right along. Um, so, um, but I've not. Well. I've not read... Um, we were I, just warming up last week. Uh, no, I guess so. <laughs> um, I have not read I've not read Bird Box, um, but from what rudimentary research I did, the plot, I think the movie is a, a pretty faithful adaptation. Right up until, and we can consider this uh, likes, dislikes if you want to, although I do have a couple of interesting, I consider them interesting trivial bits. So, But the book apparently jumps back and forth in time as well. And that is probably my major dislike with this film, I don't like that it flips back and forth between the river plot line and the plot line going on in the house. I feel like, and there's no way to tell otherwise because this is the film, this is the version of the film that we have, I feel like nearly all of its narrative tension is constantly being undermined by flipping to another time period because we know that, you know, something happens, these people in the house don't make it or they separate somehow from from Sandra Bullock. So I felt like it was constantly undercutting any investment that I had in those characters, any uh, sort of sustained suspense that was developing for that plot line in the house. But apparently that's what the book does. Uh, again, I haven't read it, but apparently the book jumps back and forth in time uh, as well. I have a couple of trivial bits, but but while we're while we're here, why don't you why don't you express what you liked and disliked? Well, do you want likes, dislikes, or do you want a general response? I, uh, how about you? Well, uh, taster's choice. You can do whatever you want. Um, thank you. You're such <laughs> a generous co-host. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I I was ready to be like full out on the box of birds, and I, mainly just because I I cannot identify a positive review I'd seen from just peers. Mm, mm. And so because of that, I had an extremely low bar, extremely sure. low yeah, threshold yeah. of expectation and found it. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I will not rewatch it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like <laughs> I, it was okay. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not. I, mean, I wouldn't go as far as I'll uh, rewatch it. That's not no, right, no. right, right. Yeah, but, yeah. It's all right. If, it's all right. Well, I mean, if that's the measure of you know quality, then there's a lot of movies I guess I think are not good. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I think it's fair. I think there are much better versions of this kind of movie out there, but it's 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 reasonably okay. I think the inherent nature of the time jump back and forth didn't bother me what bothered me is what became clearly just a paint by numbers type of approach which mean mm. what i mean by that is like the river storyline which is clearly meant to be present action a thing would happen and you're like well how is that thing happening oh by the way let's show you why that thing's happening like oh, that right right that got tedious and mm. um you know i i think well give me give me some of your give me Tell us your bits, Reed. Share your bits with us, <laughs> okay, because I feel like there's like other there's like other conversation to be had. But I want you to be able to share your bits because okay, <laughs> they're yours. I appreciate that, and that's you're, what you do. You're also a generous co-host. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so, so the only two that I that I really wanted to make sure naturally. I don't know what that was. Um, so two, two bits. You two said, bits, yes. You're going to share your two bits as a naturally, too. Okay. So <laughs> there were, there was a, re- there not only an active conversation about showing the creatures at one point, they actually shot a scene with it. And Sandra Bullock described the creature as a green man with a horrific baby face. And they eventually discarded showing the creatures at all because it made the scene too funny and silly. And I just I thought that was interesting, that there was not only an active discussion about do we show these creatures or not, but they actually filmed a scene with Is that it kinda, that they didn't. Let know. me guess. I bet you money they cast Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> what? Because <laughs> yeah, we know what happens when they cast him. He's like, right, this, suit, right. this suit is too, it's too, too sticky. I can't. What, do you, what do you mean a green baby face? I can't just- <laughs> I want to be on screen. Don't you see this split that I'm, I'm doing? Ba- <laughs> <laughs> no wonder people want to kill themselves. <laughs> oh my God. All, of the, all of the horror that we see play out in that big rampaging suicide scene and really all anybody is seeing is a green Sean Claude Van Damme doing the split with a horrible baby face oh my gosh wow <laughs> this movie is awesome no wonder they want to oh my gosh oh my I don't lord know. so the second thing that I was going to mention is that there's a relationship that develops between Mallory and Tom, and I did think it was interesting that in most, in it, historically speaking, uh, in a in an age gap uh, relationship, the the man is much older and the the woman is usually like much younger and this this inverts that in an interesting way because Sandra Bullock's character and the the actor herself um is actually much older than the than the person her on-screen love interest so i just i i read that and picked up on that and i just thought that was interesting to share so uh <clears throat> so let's, all right yeah. let me let me okay you just identified <laughs> like i've got this whole paragraph here like why why this movie is the is the textbook definition of the word fine or like mm. okay is it feels like a movie made by an algorithm mm. like mm-hmm. like you just said oh it flips this um cool like it's it oh here's the multi generational multiracial group scene Here's all the exposition up front that really doesn't matter between Sarah Paulson right, and her. Right, right, right. Um, here's the interracial relationship. Here's the one gay character. Here's just a hint of sensuality. Mm-hmm. Oh, and now there's some kids. Like it is so generic. Right. Like, right. 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 I read. Come on. Like, and and maybe this is where just the low bar comes into play. But s- stuff like, so the storyline is they're all blindfolded. And because when you stare at the monsters, when you stare at Jean Claude, um, 
<laughs> go listen to our Predator episode if you're wondering what the hell we're talking about oh here. Go listen gosh. to the Predator because that, that could clearly be a super de- deep Fear God cut. But <clears throat> um, they, you know, you have to be blindfolded because when you see these monsters, it causes you to despair and you kill yourself. Um, well, the present action is they found this outpost. This 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 you know safe haven is calling to to survivors, and so she's trying to get herself and these two children named boy and girl again made by algorithm generic um, <laughs> to this safe haven. And when they get there, every it's a school for the blind. Like right, it's, it's right. ridiculous. But what's hysterical to me is when she gets there. Because I actually thought I was like, "There's going to be a familiar face there." I can't. I don't. I don't know who it is. It's her stupid OBGYN from within the plot line of the movie five years previous. Oh yeah, I'm recommending that OBGYN one time, and this OB, who of course is Indian, uh, sees her, and she's like, "Oh, Mallory, I'm so glad you're here." Like, what? This is so dumb. I know. Hear me. I know. And I'm not even totally out on the bird box. No, there are parts of it I actually thought were kind of fun and whatever, but it was so. Once you recognize that you could literally make a bingo card and <laughs> and get it right, you know, yeah, right, it's like right. it's 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 like it's like Netflix took Bandersnatch and took all the choice out of it and just were like, oh, you know, just plug it, <laughs> plug it, plug and play. Well, here's oh, the you thing. Need, so, so- you, you need a '90s movie star, Sandra. Cool. You need an interracial couple. Cool. You need uh, two pregnant women at one time giving birth at the exact same time. Cool. We got that too. Right. Every, right. Everything. Well, Sorry, I w- but but now I will say, and th- this was illuminating to me because I kind of would have had a similar complaint there, and I'm I, I don't I don't feel compelled enough by the material, especially knowing its similarities to the film, to to necessarily seek out the book. But I think a lot of those beats came from the book. I think a lot of them were just like like I hear you about like hey Netflix like you know movie by algorithm. I don't even totally sure, disagree sure. with that, but I f- I feel like. From what I read, um, which was you know merely just sort of plot point synopsis, um, it feels like a lot of these were sourced directly from the original material versus you know something that it would have been dramatically different and Netflix like translating it differently. Right. Um, right, right. You know, so I do feel like they actually it feels like they kind of stayed faithful to to the original book or at least uh, to some of the major plot beats. By the way, I called that Rick's compound was uh, a place for the blind like 15 minutes into the movie. I knew, I was like, if you, the only safe people from this will be blind people. So, like, you, that's, yeah. Do you, I mean, do you want a congratulations for that? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Well, congratulations, Thank Reed. You. you called that in a world... <laughs> in a world where no one can see or no or the the threat is a, a visible problem that the people who can't see are gonna win cool for you <laughs> exactly exactly i feel um, smart so so yes sandra bullock is sisters to sarah paulson um at the top of the movie sarah paulson dies 10 minutes in mm. um sandra sandra you know, kind of ingratiates herself with this group, um, which includes Malkovich and various other performers and cuts back and forth between her and these two children. Uh, five years later, it's, it's an okay movie. I do want to highlight some fun things. Reed, sure. come on, man. Like I'm grown. I'm, I'm a grown man with actually some nominal athleticism and mild coordination. I can't row a boat without a blindfold. <laughs> come on. 
that's the most that's the most nonsensical in a movie about a threat that you can't look at and so everyone's walking around with dumb blindfolds on oh mm-hmm. except those except those people who conveniently just turn into like deeper psychopaths <laughs> but to me the dumbest most illogical like unbelievable thing is this woman who was an artist in life she doesn't know how to row a boat with two kids down rapids for for two days for two whole days yeah 48 hours yeah give me a break no i I totally agree this is not like a disneyland attraction where they've got guardrails up that you can bump into and will steer you into the right direction like no 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 this is and that is that is difficult to believe even when they get to the rapids and they are able to you know the the boat is turned over but they are able to somehow still like find each other it's still yeah it's it, it is a huge stretch to believability that she would be able to navigate down. i mean that must be some really calm waters <laughs> if and even still i don't know how she there's one scene in uh, an aerial shot where the boat is literally pointed at a section of land that's jutting out into the water i'm like how do they avoid that like, like how do they read, get past goodness that goodness gracious i would have loved if the present scene was just like 48 hours of her accidentally <laughs> rowing in circles and just like really the it's only like i don't know half a mile to the compound the blind people compound right 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 because she keeps bumping into the <laughs> bank and rowing in circles it just it's gonna takes take two you days. two days that <laughs> would have been an amazing movie that's really funny that's really funny like oh we made it another foot we made it another foot. <laughs> but they don't know. They don't know. They just think, they just keep getting further and further. <laughs> now, well, I don't want to get the scares yet because there are actually a few legitimate ones. Let okay. me see. What else is on this list? Well, what I got a, dislikes do you have? I got a big dislike. Huge dislike. Well, tell me. I'm I sure mean, it's probably in the I'm sure it's probably in the book, but I hate so much. Even acknowledging the emotional payoff that it has towards the end of the film. I hate the moment when she says one of us will have to look her son volunteers and she's like no i'm going to decide like that is a terrible moment are you like, like as in are you saying what are you saying articulate that a different way so i'm so i'm saying it's a ter- like all of my affection and support for her as a character drains right out the bottom when she does that like when she says one of us is going to have to look and her son volunteers and then she says, no, I'm going to choose who's going to look. So the other girl is clearly like, uh, you're going to pick me. She, she, like, just, she just pulled a Reed Lackey and pooped her pants, you know. <laughs> the apostle it's apostle i was making a you you made a poop club joke yeah so ago. but so like consistency man consistency of course but like three million people watch apostle and check out our episode 45 million people watch bird box they're like what is this podcast these know, guys, yeah, poop, like, oh, like, these guys poop their pants and like, oh my you know, gosh and then on there you talk just, about their bits on air and on there you're just like oh yeah he pulled it pulled a reed lackey really that's 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 what pull a reed lackey means to you <laughs> this is ridiculous oh man no, i'm sorry i was trying to build some continuity between our episodes uh, no, you really don't poop everybody read read this read this up 
I'm going to put that money girl, down right now. But that now. little girl probably did. She probably did. I'm going to put money down right now. You're going to find a Don't way to work ashamed, that Reed. in. No. I would have. I would have. You're going to find a I'm, way to work that into an Instagram post. I already know. It's Lee. like it's like the Batman versus Superman of 2019. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm tired. I'm tired. Me, too. Look. Hey, no, I'm with you. But, but are you saying... Are you saying from a from a narrative perspective, you lose respect for the character? I lose respect for the character. Saying, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did, like all of my. Well, what's funny? For... What's funny about that is I think the intention there. I mean, I get what you're saying now. It's her son saying it, but I, I think the intention was more. She doesn't want to. I don't know. I actually, I think I see your point, and it's it's a valid one. But I mean, at that point, like. It's I don't know they're they're going for this Sophie's Choice moment and it just no. doesn't work. See yeah. algorithm algorithm. algorithm. No, you're right. You're right. Let's have a parent make a difficult choice. Okay. <laughs> so while blindfolded. So tell me what what scared you about this. Well, hang on. I got some other likes dislikes. Oh, on you here. do. Um. Well, yeah, because there's so there's so much to like and dislike. Oh, here's a perfect. This should be the tagline for Bird Box. Lowered expectations are a great way to appreciate a film. <laughs> Don't expect too much. <laughs> you'll love it then. <laughs> don't, no, don't expect too much and you'll be fine. <laughs> right, 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 right. Oh, I man. love, I love that they just happen to get in the car that has literally the most up-to-date GPS system on the planet. Oh, like, man. Like, it's just, yeah. it's hysterical to me. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, Even still, but that's one of the more believable parts of the movie to me. As like yeah, cars can have pretty sophisticated GPS systems in them, to where you like you, you can see. Yes, but but <laughs> like trying to row a boat blindfolded, there's gonna be a bit of believability. I'm just not really gonna buy in on. That's a good point. Um, I, su- I was utterly surprised, not because it's bad music, but because of the nature of this film, to realize Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross yeah. did the soundtrack. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. So the soundtrack's good. Check, check, bo- check, Mark Bird Box. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I mean, speaking of movie by algorithm, the name, like they just threw like a bunch of nouns in a hat and wow. just had a Netflix had, you know, uh, what's his face? Uh, what, gosh, what's the head Netflix? Reed Hastings. They're like, Hey, here, his name's Reed too. Hey, They're okay. like, here, Reed, pull a cup, pull a couple of just generic nouns out of a hat and we're going to make a movie. Oh, I know it's based on a book. I know. Um, yeah, last man. one, last one. I worry that Netflix is cornering the market on the a thing to do on a Saturday night movie genre, mm. Um, mm. which just it's like it rises little above its barest parts, but is like modestly watchable. <laughs> so you're just like, fine. All right. It's good. But it's- see, it's like I, I hear that and don't even really totally disagree with it. But it's like then and I haven't seen it yet, but then you get Roma. You know, and so it's like, I mean, maybe, well, sure, you know, maybe, sure. I mean, it's like, yeah. I do feel like, cause I actively thought about this with Velvet Buzzsaw cause it's like written and directed by Dan Gilroy. And now you get this, which is based on a book and seems to be pretty faithful to the source material and, and has its creative sort of framework. I feel like Netflix is getting a ton of credit when what it sounds like they just do is just let their, their creatives do what they want to do with it. Yes. And yes. and then they get the brunt of if 
if there's a condition where maybe their creative should have been bridled or steered a little bit. Um, yes. You know, in a world which talks about over uh, saturation of studio involvement, at least all of reports from people that work with Netflix, which is why they're drawing so many. Uh, high-profile filmmakers is that they they give their you know they basically sign the check and are like here you go now go make your movie and uh, based on what I've read don't really inhibit them a, a ton in yes. what they want to do and in, and in fact to your point like Dan Gilroy on the interview I referenced last week with Buzzsaw he references that like mm. he loved working with Netflix because of the minimal amount of to, to no interference and in fact lots of go have fun yeah um and and hear me like uh i'm breaking my own rule from last week and have adopted a bit of a critical spirit in the name of fun and frivolity because you're right i mean for every bird box and and buzzsaw there's your roma and and yeah Yeah. they're gonna they're gonna start they're gonna start mixing up the the stew so that you have a a good uh ratio between those two so scares yeah Yeah, okay read let's do it scares i've got two there's yeah, I've got two, two, two <laughs> I bet bits. they're the same. I bet they're the same. Two, I bet they are. Let's say it on it's the count that, of three. It's no, that, no. it's that, uh, it's that pregnant belly prosthetic. I'm just kidding. Wow. Um, no. Um. Uh, yeah. I. Go ahead. Uh, no, I guarantee you, you. You tell one, and then I'll tell another. Okay, because I guarantee you they're the same one. Okay, so the first one for me is the 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 baby face, the baby face green man. <laughs> yes, baby face green man. The the extended mass suicide sequence near the beginning of the film, like that is that's great. That yeah, is genuinely freaky. It's got some alarming visuals. It's genuinely tense. Yeah, very, very effectively rendered. Well, culminating in Paulson's specific yes. experience driving the car when she starts to have her it affect her, it's a, it's very effective. And in fact, I would say that sequence is what boosts the wind and the sails just enough. Mm. to get me to the end of that river sure and those blind people. right 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 of course <laughs> um but yeah no that's that's a great sequence yeah um and the the movie well I'll, the other scare yeah. that's on the list is when old crazy british guy that's mine um yep, that's finally mine. reveals his true colors as the whatever he is i don't know what these people are supposed to be it's very ambiguous um they're mental patients and just like literally literally well, yeah but. well right but i just mean in terms of it's very ambiguous about why this thing affects people this way and that people those ways right it's, it yeah, seems more true. it seems more like convenient storytelling than than thoughtful but that's me being a bit critical fair point. um but he starts opening up all these windows and and mm. letting in the images of the green monster and people start going nuts and killing themselves and each other and all this it's very harrowing oh um, it is yes and i would say those two scenes are enough to get this kind of over the hurdle a little bit sure like, yeah yeah those are those are strong and as much as you despise well i don't know if you did but like as much as you kind of get get uh irritated by malkovich's character and his overt you know sort of just antagonism against the world uh, a great moment is when he actually saves you know j- at his own peril because he loses his life in the process but saves her you know, by you think he's been done for out in the garage and then comes up and, and actually disrupts what Gary uh, is trying to do by opening up all the window and killing all of them. He he doesn't save everybody, but, you know, makes it so that Mallory has a few more minutes to survive. Gary. Gary. I did want to throw out one more thought before we possibly bring the boat into the the, the harbor camp yeah. of themes. <laughs> um, 
you've referenced multiple times, rightly so, the source material. I just wonder if a prose version of this works better than a visual version of this. Maybe, yeah. Because maybe. things like, Reed, I thought it was so dumb. I feel bad I don't know the actor's name. But watching Sandra Bullock and this actor argue with each other blindfolded. Like, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah It yeah. feels like one of these, like, what? Why are you doing this to these actors? They look dumb doing this. Mm, mm. It just it just really stood out to me as a, I don't know, quiet place proved, you know, you rob characters of their senses. It's just got to be the right sense, Reed, yeah, that you take away. Yeah. No, I get uh, it. For it, to, for it to translate to film. I get it. We should uh, we should just tag team like do these these sensory deprived double feature things and you get like Bird Box versus a Quiet Place and then you get like Hush versus Wait Until Dark and you got the you know the blind versus the deaf and the sound versus the yeah see it it, it all works. Is there a taste one though? No, no, there's not a, t- <laughs> a taste one. <laughs> Your series is don't over. eat the spaghetti. No. Um, so <laughs> so uh, but but no, sincerely, I feel like I feel like we are, uh, you know, jovially putting this film down. Lest it go unsaid, like, no, I, yeah. like I had yeah, I had a fun time the first time I watched this movie. I do feel like there are a lot of flaws. The flaws are apparent. It's at least fifteen to twenty minutes too long. I don't like the jumping back and forth in time, but it's 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 got its level of entertainment, and I, that sounds like a backhanded compliment. But uh, yeah, we can maybe get into that when we fully assess the film. But um, but it's it. I mean, I didn't. You said you wouldn't rewatch the film. This was actually my t- second time seeing it, and so like I, you know, I and well, you know, you did it for. I did it. I did it for the show. But the, I mean, the second time through, you know, the, the some of the moments still got me. I genuinely. Uh, genuinely, without fabricated uh, intent, I was moved by her pleading apologies when she's trying to get girl to come back to her, rather than her l- yeah. l- opening up the blindfold and listening to the voices. Um, right. You know, I'm genuinely, I was genuinely touched by that whole sequence of things and by the revelation of what that means for her character. Um, so there, there's, it's not that there's nothing there. There are, there are enough flaws, and as you've mentioned, there are enough you know, movie by algorithm or paint by numbers that that it is sort of mock worthy in that sense, but it is not valueless. It is it is not. Yes. You know, and, yeah. and to the point with those scare scenes, I think when it is good is just enough to mm-hmm. to carry it to because I'll say this like I, and I think this is just a fun conversation. So sure. I, yeah, I don't I don't I don't mean to. Uh, be cruel to the film that's not my intention other than just to kind of have fun with some of the what i do think are some silly elements to it but velvet buzzsaw i went in with modest expectations i Mm -hmm. love jake gyllenhaal Mm -hmm. i like some of those performers i I, as you mentioned last week the pedigree of nightcrawler and i can't overstate how willing i would have been to turn it off yeah i gotcha like that that was my feeling at the midpoint of that movie whereas with bird box i was like no i mean i'm I'm in the boat with you. Sure. I'm, I'll yeah. watch yeah. for everything, but you know, y'all can leave your blindfolds <laughs> on. I don't want to bump into the bank. Um, oh my gosh. But, but no, I, I, I did not have the compulsion. I would like to turn this off because it's so bad. Like that. Sure. Yeah. It was, it's very, it's very watchable. I was just going to say that. Like, I think for all of the things that you could criticize about it, it is very watchable. And, and that's not, that's no small thing. I, but now I will say, and maybe this is, this is a pivot. I struggle quite a bit to ascertain what this film is trying to say. And again, maybe this is something that the uh, the book might 
might assist me with. But you know, this is this is one of those rare instances where I actively struggled to grasp um, a specific theme. You know, unlike I guess. Uh, several churches that I'm aware of that were able to gleam a specific theme about walking by faith, uh, I was not able to really parse that out from from this specific film. Were you able to... Was there anything that you... Um, you know, I actually... I don't think it's good at talking about this. I don't think... I don't think it's quite there in its precision of language for the conversation I actually do think it's after. Mm. But, I mean... Partly because, as you said, I think it's just a little too long, and wh- where I think its thematic strengths might be start to get forgotten. Honestly, mm, okay. Um, but you've you've got this character who, in her interactions with her sister at the beginning, is very disconnected, is right. very disinterested in her own pregnancy. You juxtapose that with it's not just that people because the happening it's. I've only watched the happening once. I don't really plan to revisit it, but I don't remember the happening having the level of existential experience attached to the people's personal journeys, you know, killing themselves. No. You're right. Right. So like, for instance, in bird box, they make a point of, it's not just you become this automaton who goes and kills yourself. Right. It is right. the level of despair you experience is so profound and deep and great mm-hmm. that, you have no choice but to go remove yourself from this world. So I think the movie is brushing up against not really community per se, but of learning to discover and make meaning and find value in the world when it is, because I'll, I will acknowledge, I think the first 20 minutes of this movie are strong. Mm. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it is good and it brushes up into interesting conversation which is in a world right now that is experiencing suicide by in levels that are unprecedented people are struggling with despair yeah right and it is real and it is profound and it is deep and it is a real active demonic thing plaguing our culture and our civilization and so this movie i do think is brushing up into Hey, in a world where despair is real and where you are maybe tempted, maybe considering, you know, taking your own life, what are the ties that can help you, you know, learn to overcome those things? I, and I, I do think it, someone, you know, who's maybe seen this a couple more times or whatever, or, or drew more out, may be able to tie some more direct links to the whole visibility, the visual component, but, you know, her, naming them by their gender instead of naming them proper names is so so i think it's just reinforcing this you will forever be at arm's length of life until you choose to just not be right you know but 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 it's an active it's an active choice that that has to be participated in and, and embarked upon in order for your life and thus life as a human community to make sense and have purpose. Yeah. And it, it reminds me your extrapolation. There reminds me of uh, a line from the first season of uh, maybe the first few episodes of the revival of Battlestar Galactica, where when they were faced with this sort of despairing voyage across space, I just remember captain Adama saying people have to start having babies. They got to, they've got to start, yeah. you know, and, and you, that, that sense of renewed life, um, you, we referenced, uh, last week in the conversation about 
Roma and, and our affection for Quaron and specifically children of men and how that deals with like the despair that seeps in when children are not present. That's just one of the many things that film is dealing with. But uh, maybe there is something there to the fact that Mallory does not identify herself as a mother, does not want to be a mother, does not feel like motherhood will create for her a connection to the extent that these children born on the same day are five years old now and are still being referred to as boy and girl. Right. And, right. and that is significant to her arc in the sense that at the end, after reconnecting with that stellar OBGYN, you know, who deserves <laughs> a five a five star Yelp review for remembering <laughs> for rem- Do people Yelp review their OBs? <laughs> oh Lord help us. <laughs> she, she remembered my name after five years right. of never right. seeing me five and years. intense trauma. She still remembered my name right. and knew my case history. Right. Um, Civiliza- <laughs> <laughs> Civilization has fallen apart. Oh my god! That, that's but, that's a hell of a doctor. But still, like you know, all you know, silliness, silliness aside, um, you know, that's when she realizes, like, no, because she doesn't just name them at the end, Olympia and Tom, but she also says, "And I'm your mother," you know, and and right, and I right, think, that, right. while admittedly that's somewhat silly of a line, there's a significance to that character. Not only is she identifying them, not as generic. Not only is she giving them purpose and identity by calling them by a name, but she is also for herself who has a name but did not have a designation, if you want to call it that, a purpose, an intention. You know, it's like she was Mallory but aimless in this world, uh, in pure survival. They were boy and girl, and now she has given them a name and she has found her specific purpose. And there is something interesting in the film that I think I, I completely agree with you that the film is not sharp enough to, to quite know what it wants to say about, but despite all of my uh, sort of jovial dismissal of, you know, Oh, walk by faith and everything like that. I think there is an interesting conversation to be had about the way your perspective can produce despair in you and make you want to give up. Or sometimes it is just a matter, not of, blinding yourself but but cutting yourself off from the things which make you despair and navigating the world in spite of those things um, which is a treacherous thing I mean one might even say it's as impossible as rowing down a river blindfolded but <laughs> but 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 clearly that's quite possible <laughs> but it is one of those things where it's like that's the that's the kind of purpose ahead of you is to is to try to navigate the world in such a way that you do not allow what you're seeing in front of you to cause you to despair. And I do think there's some value in in, yeah. in recognizing that and in recognizing and, and, you know, we think about this in spiritual terms. I did not pull it up and maybe I should pull it up, but I'm going to try to loosely quote it. In the book of Revelation, uh, it talks about that in the end of things, to the one who overcomes, the Lord will give him a stone with his own secret name. Um, don't get hung up on the gender there. Just, you know, y- that your secret identity, right, right, right. Your, your, your who you really are. And I do think there is this thing that could be extrapolated from the basic premise of Bird Box that it's like, yeah, you, you, you push through, you overcome, and then you find and learn who you really are and therefore can embrace your place in the world beyond the despair that so many of the competing forces would try to 
pull you towards and try to make you give up. But when you have, when you have overcome that, you get this renewed sense of who you are. And I do think that is, that is a very spiritual um, exercise to try to, to try to recognize like, you know, your, your sense of self, your sense of identity and, to not allow the uh, the things that you see ahead of you to cause you to despair or to despise that identity, I think that I think that is worth mentioning. If uh, even if Bird Box doesn't quite land the plane on everything it should or could say about that subject, I, I think that your better you know phrasing there would be dock the boat. Dock the boat. Yes, land the plane. Land the plane. And <laughs> dock, dock the, the boat. boat. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So, well, I, I really. I've, I mean, I think I'm so. That all I've got. Yeah. To, to be honest, you know, like we we love having uh, rich conversations about this, and I do think that that is a subject worth exploring. But um, but I, I do think that we would, as we've been prone to do before, we could we could pull some things out. But we've been talking a while. I think that's a a fair place to sort of land. I do think that is something that Bird Box is after. But uh, if you guys saw something uh, greater, more profound, different in Bird Box or had this you know, this big experience with it, then we would love to, to know about that. Stay tuned at the end of the episode for our social media cues. But do you want to go ahead and, and, and send Bird Box through the, through the fog meter? It won't. It Let's won't see it. where it's going, but we'll we'll get it there anyway. No. Um, yeah. So um, so we rate this uh, basically in the metrics of the name of our show in fear and God, uh, rating its scares and its substance. So so I'll start with with the fear level. Um, I really like how you phrased it earlier. That like when this film gets it right, it it works really really well. It unfortunately doesn't get it right often enough. Um, but those couple of couple of scenes are quite harrowing, legitimately harrowing, to a degree that I'm going to land on a five for uh, for fear, the fear measurement, as it were. Yeah, I'm going to um, join you there because I think that. And in fact, knowing how tepid its response was, and knowing how much I was enthralled by that opening chaos, I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, again. Mm-hmm. It doesn't between it and the middle piece where the the guys you know tearing all the paper from the windows and stuff like I think those are strong enough sure. to really yeah. earn earn some some appreciation. So I'll, I'll I'll join you with a five. What would you say for the God meter? Um, you know, I just I, um a, a three. I just I really don't. I think it's um. <laughs> a mile wide and it's an inch deep like old yo river and we sail down blindfold old man river rather, <laughs> rather, rather capably but uh, we get we, we we get to the end and we see that old ob I'm just, and there she I'm just is picturing Bing. some like you know huckleberry like twanging a banjo <laughs> floating on a little raft like doesn't know where he's going man that's a good ob um <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give there's you six so stars many, on Yelp. There's so many jokes that I want to make. <laughs> I won't. Um, All right. So yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for a three. Right. It's, I don't I, really think it's there. I'm even gonna go a little lower than that. I'm I'm gonna give this a one and a half on the on wow! the measurement. Wow! <laughs> it is a new year, no, see, new meter. Because here's the thing, man. Like I I feel like oh yeah to, oh yeah a zero <laughs> a zero for I me. I feel like <laughs> you have to you have to stretch to grab the substance of what it's after. It's entertaining. I do think it's entertaining. It's a little over long, but I do think it's entertaining. Well, that's kind of getting into recommendations. So, so basically, yep. bro, 
churches use this in their <laughs> marketing. That, that means that it's, there's God all in it. So y'all will, man, we learned, we adopted, we adapted quick <laughs> to the fog meter. <laughs> it took us a few, it took us a few episodes to get our bearings on the fog meter. But once we got there, boy, we are blistering <laughs> on it. Um, uh, bird box. Remember everybody. The first thing is you get a box. And oh my gosh. And then you put your bird in it. We give Big the bird, bird box three three and a half uh fogs do we give it a fog three and a half on the fog sure no three three fogs three and a half fogs okay sure um yeah (laughs) i don't give a fog oh Um, no three and a half three and a half fogs um on the fog meter so that's that's pretty low but here's what's funny let's do this part read Um, where we kind of say, you know, are you in or you out? Yeah. Do you recommend this movie? Like, what do you think? So if I were if I were gauging like our recommend level, and you get like a full recommendation, a soft recommendation, uh, like strongly don't recommend. Are you de- or are you, de- are you developing? Kind, are you developing a new? I, I kind of or, am. Yeah, strongly yeah, strongly yeah, okay. don't recommend. Strongly, don't recommend. <laughs> this is firmly like I love your. This is firmly fine. If you're at all curious about it, watch it. Why not? Go ahead. Like, but, but, but if you're not, I don't know that I would push someone to watch it, but if they're at all curious about it, I think you'll find it entertaining. I think you'll enjoy it. And what you ought to try doing is really enhance the verisimilitude. Put a blindfold on and then turn it on. (laughs) You know? Just try to listen to it. the real bird box challenge is trying to watch this movie. Just listening to, um, you know what? I may surprise you here. Like, uh, I think. It's worth a watch. Okay. Like okay. it's 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 just fine enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, it is is just fine enough. It's like enough. lukewarm fried chicken. It's just yeah. like <laughs> there's your bird box. It's like, it's like oh uh what's his face, you know, in in uh poltergeist just getting someone else's food out of their free out of their fridge and just like chowing. Like, this will be know, fine. This will be fine. It's fine. It's oh someone else's. God. I didn't have to work for it. Someone else made it for me. I'm just gonna chew on it. So yeah, oh that's the bird God, box. That is, is funny. Lukewarm chicken in the in the <laughs> the bird box. <laughs> the box of chicken in the fridge. It's lukewarm Get chicken it out. out of the fridge. Don't don't warm it up because then you'll be expecting too much. <laughs> Oh my gosh! What an episode of the Fear of God! Holy this. cow! I can't believe this. But what are we talking about next okay, week? Okay, so next I'm, next week we're we're we've only got two more entries in hashtag Netflix and chills. So ne- oh yeah, no. I know. So we still haven't quite decided what our ultimate episode is going to be. But as we love to say here, our penultimate episode for hashtag Netflix and chills is going to be the recent flick. Cam, C-A-M. Uh, as of right now, neither Nathan nor I have watched it, but um, it is uh, uh, high in the the recommendations and high in the conversation meters. So we're going to check it out, and we're going to let you know what we think about it next week. So tune in next week when we talk about Cam right here on The Fear of God. Nathan, thank you so Great. much. I can tell you this. I don't know if they're glad they watched it, but I'm so glad we talked about it because this was a lot of fun. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. So, yes. Me too. We will see you next week, guys. Thanks for playing. Bye. Hey, girl. I got something real important to give you. So just sit down. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. You can continue this conversation in a variety of ways. On Twitter, at the fear of God. 
on Instagram at Fear of God Podcast. You can like or follow us on Facebook or join the Fear of God Facebook discussion group. You can follow Reed on Twitter at Reed Lackey and Nathan at the Nathan Rouse. Email us at fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com or visit morethanonelesson.com to comment on the official episode posts. And lastly, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or review. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Bird. Oh. <laughs>